Hey guys, welcome back to the Will Be Right podcast. This is Sarah. Um, I just wanted to jump in really quick and give a bit of an update. Unfortunately, Hannah is a bit sick this week, so she won't be joining us on this Monday, but we still wanted to drop an episode for you all. Um, so this week I was able to interview one of our really good friends who has moved abroad a few times. Um, she's actually the friend that introduced us to each other. Um, and we had a really great time um, just chatting about her experiences moving abroad. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this interview as much as I did. And don't worry, Hannah will be back next week. So be on the lookout for that. Um, I hope you guys all have a really great Monday. Um, also, for some particular reason, our neighbors decided that this would be a good time to redo their roof during the middle of our interview. So rude. Um, so if you do hear a bit of that <laughs> construction in the background, I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoy and have a great day. Bye. Hello, this is Sarah here. Um, happy Monday, everyone. Um, today I am joined by a really special guest, and I'm really thankful that you jumped in um, so last minute. So thanks for that. Um, today I'm going to be joined by one of Hannah and I's really, really good friends, Marcy. Um, Marcy, do you want to say hi? Hello, uh, I am Marcy, yep, <laughs> um, and I'm really happy to be here today. Oh, thanks so much for joining. Um, do you want to give a little bio of who you are? I know we've spoken about you in the past. We mentioned that you were the friend that brought Hannah and I <laughs> um, together, but do you just want to give a little bio of, of who you are, what you do? Yep. So I live in Perth, WA, and I grew up in Singapore. Um, I became friends with Sarah when she moved here in 2019. Yeah, 2019. And I knew of Hannah before I'd met Hannah because she's uh, her husband is good friends with my husband, and we bonded over our mutual love of Hamilton. <laughs> uh, that is... <laughs> that's literally so... Like, I just think sometimes how crazy it is... A, how fast we became friends, but B, like, how fast our triangle, you know, mm. like, mended together. Really sweet. As always, we start every episode with a culture quirk. And if you're new this week, a culture quirk is just something that we notice within the culture here in Australia that is different with how we grew up and the culture um, where we were. And Marcy is going to start us off this week. She's excited because she has a culture quirk. Um, so, yeah, what's your culture quirk this week, Marcy? Uh, so, uh, first of all, the culture quirk has to do with Maccas. Oh! Which for those who, um, I don't know, what do you guys call McDonald's in the US? McDonald's. McDonald's. Or like McDonald's? Sometimes people say like Mackey D's. Mackey D's. Okay. <laughs> in Singapore, it's Max. Oh, Max. That. Um, and so, anyway, I came here and I was really craving something familiar. And I was like, I'm just going to go to McDonald's because <laughs> <laughs> I will know what I get there. And I went in and I was like, hi, can I please get a double quarter pounder with cheese and fries? And the lady looked at me like I was mad and was like, <gasps> um, yeah, it comes with cheese. And I was like, oh, oh. okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. In Singapore, you can order a quarter pounder without cheese. So, and I felt so hurt because she oh. was so like, are you crazy? Of course it comes with cheese. Why would you oh. have a burger without cheese? <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is so funny. And so that's my culture quirk. Oh my gosh. 
I do have to say one thing about McDonald's here versus in the States. Oh, it's so much better here. So much better. So much. And so much nicer. Oh, like in America, it'd be Burger King. Like, I mean, obviously in and out and sure. all the others, but like of the the chains, probably Burger King is probably... I would say Wendy's is probably... Where, Ooh, I'm, where okay. I'm from anyways, I think okay. Wendy's might be better than Burger King. In California, Wendy's isn't very good. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. East Coast California Wendy's people, okay. you, can, you can fight me on yeah. this, but I prefer Burger King in the US. <laughs> but Burger King in Singapore is shocking. Max all really? the way. Okay. And then here, definitely Max over Hungry Jacks. But it's a big battle. Oh, interesting. I don't eat Hungry Jacks here because they don't. Their their chips are not gluten free. Aren't they? No, but McDonald's is. Interesting. I did not know that. I know. Fun facts. Did you ever play the McDonald's video game or computer game? No. Oh, there was one where you had to like raise cows and then like grow potatoes and then you'd have to manage how much methane gas was emitting into Wait, the air. Wait, yes, and I then, did play that, but was it a McDonald's game? Yeah, it was a McDonald's game. It was actually like uh, sponsored by McDonald's. Oh, I don't remember. I remember, I literally have the images in my head too of what cows, the cows, right? And, and then, then they would die. Sometimes they would die. Yeah, and then it would be the XX. <laughs> yes, and they would literally die and then the methane gas would go yes. into the air. <laughs> And then you would, like, bring them to the slaughterhouse and then bring them. And I was like, gee, this is teaching me about life cycles. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to look that game up because I don't remember it. I remember the game very clearly. I feel like it's a Flash player and Flash player is no longer a Oh, I think you're right. I think maybe we played it on Miniclip. Did you ever have Miniclip? Oh, I love Miniclip. Me too. Mm. I still log on and play Motherload all the time. I did not play Motherload. You mine, you're in Mars and you're mining to the center of the earth oh. and like collecting gems. And then when you get to the bottom, there, there's this like demon you have to fight. Uh, it was, was so funny. Did you play Papa Louie on Miniclip? No. Oh, it was like a pizza delivery one. I don't know. Oh, oh wait, random. yes. Wait, yes, I did. And he had the little um, and he would run thing. Yeah, he would run really weirdly. I, yes, I did. I don't remember any of the names of any of them, but I did play that one. There were a lot of games. My brother and I would like rush to Miniclip and be playing together because like, you know, Bubble bubble Trouble and yes, Acid bubble Factory trouble. Yeah, and all yes. those classics. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so good. <laughs> Pop Tropica. Um, yes. Oh my gosh. And then Pop Tropica is not a thing in Australia. At all? At all. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Why? I don't think it, you just... Because it came from initially from, like, cereal cartons. Yeah, like, yeah. And we don't have that cereal in Australia. Oh, that makes sense. I mentioned it to a few people and they were like, what are you talking about? I was like, it's just the, <laughs> literally the best PC game ever. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm kind of sad. I signed in again. Did you? <laughs> just, just for fun to see. And all my characters are still there. Are they actually? They're not dead? No. I guess you can't really. You can't that, kill them. That'd be a bit she more still had her, her great, her, the, I don't know, from one of the islands I managed to get the reward costume. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> huh. Anyway. Anyways, my culture quirk of the week um, is the word sore. Like, to feel sore. In the States, to say that you feel sore, it means, like, you feel tight or you feel... Like, you just did a workout and you're like, ooh, I feel a little sore. Mm -hmm. To say that you're sore here, people think that you're in pain. Like, I could say at the gym, oh, I feel a bit sore. And my coach would be like, oh, are you okay? Where are you hurting? Interesting. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because... So, I just flew back and my trip was a bit... It's a bit a hectic one. I'll talk... I'll talk about it in a later episode. Or if you guys follow us on Instagram, you saw half of my journey because I was documenting it. But I came back and I was like, I feel like I've been hit by a truck. I feel so sore. And Jeremy was like, oh, where are you in pain? Like, where can I, like, what What do you want me to do? You want me to give you some pen at all? What, what do you want? And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not like in pain. I just feel like I'm sore. Like I feel tired. 
And it was just really interesting. That's a really interesting slang. I don't know. I probably don't use that word. Oh, really? Yeah. So what I, would you use? I'm either like, mm, well, maybe I would say sore, being like, I've just got muscle ache. Or would I'm you say it for achy. a specific, oh, you're feeling achy. Yeah. That's how I would use the word sore as well. Mm. But it, like Jeremy, just when he had knee surgery, he was like, my knee is sore after the injury happened. I guess and you he could meant- be like sore in like a particular point is sore. Okay. So if you say my shoulder is sore. Oh no, I still mean that that's to mean tight. To me, that would mean tight as well. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I've heard a lot of people say, oh, that means like you would say that in the sense that like, oh, I'm hurting a lot. Mm. This is not one that I know. I'm oh. with you on your definition, so. Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, and again, each experience is very, very, like, everyone's experience is different, and that was my personal experience with the word, mm. and now I, like, kind of use them interchangeably, so now I do know if I'm at the gym and I'm like, oh, that lift made me sore, like, that that hurt my back in some sort of way, you know? Yeah. I would I would use it in that in that way. But, yeah, I think I use them, because if I say, oh, my foot is sore, I don't mean my foot is feeling tight, I mean my foot's in pain. Yeah. See, there you go. I so, just, I think if I particularly mention something. Okay. But if I, like, my body is sore, it's not like my whole body's in pain. Sure. It's just I'm feeling, like, yeah, achy. Achy. Whereas okay. if I'm like, oh, my toe is sore, I've, yep. like, done something You've to done my something toe. You've done something to it. Yeah. So, maybe that's the Maybe that's what it is. Maybe Americans just... particular. Yeah. Maybe just body part <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe it's where i yeah maybe it's where i grew up or something we just we wouldn't say the word sore to describe one particular body part we would say well maybe we would say like my legs are sore after leg workout or a soccer yeah. game or something but we would never use it to like say oh i've got a like a sore thumb a sore thumb yeah, but let's say that's i think it's cuz you like oh interesting is it one of those things that it's like oh well your legs can be sore because they can be muscle tight, but you're not mm. going to get a tight thumb, so you're not going to say you have a sore thumb unless it's in pain. Yeah, yeah, maybe. You're not going to say, like, my eye is sore. That obviously means my eye is hurting. Yeah. Because it can't be sore, like... Yeah. But it's not also... It's like, sore is not a sharp pain. It's kind of like a dull okay. pain, I feel. Oh, okay. But I don't know what the Webster Dictionary is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's... I'm trying to think of how... Because when we were in the doctor's office and we, like, had... I was notorious for having things wrong. I've broken so many bones in my body. It's not even funny. Um, and I, they would always ask me, like, oh, what kind of pain do you have? Throbbing, tight, pinching, um, needles. You know, they, they would ask questions like that. They would never say, like, oh, where is it sore? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Whereas Which I, makes sense. Yeah. But that's my culture quirk for this week. Thanks for in- indulging in that one with me. <laughs> breaking apart what I actually mean. <laughs> um, cool. So you said that you were raised in Singapore. Yes. Yeah. So when did you move to Perth? So I have lived in multiple countries. Um, I was in the US in Cupertino, California from uh, 2003 to 2005. So that's uh, year three to four, primary three to four or grades four and five, <laughs> depending on what standard you're going by. Um, and then I moved to Perth in 2015 for university. Wow. Okay. So in between the US and Perth, you were back in Singapore. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Cool. Um, why were you, not why were you in Singapore, but I guess, I guess what I'm getting at is you were raised by two different people who are from two different cultures. So 
why Singapore? Yeah, so uh, my dad is Singaporean Chinese and my mum is Australian Caucasian mm. and they met here in Perth. Uh, at uni and then got married and moved to Singapore and um, initially I think it was meant to be a short-term thing and then really um, they decided not this is where we're staying for the time being and my brother and I were born and we grew up there and then we had the opportunity to go to the US and then um, come back before middle school (laughs) (laughs) and then um, yeah I finished the rest of my education uh, in a local school in Singapore before moving for university because they didn't offer my degree in Singapore as an undergrad. Yeah, wow. Or uh, do they offer it as a master's program? They do. Okay, cool. And what degree is that? I'm a speech pathologist. Yeah. Or a speech and language therapist for the Americans. (laughs) No, we say speech pathologist. Oh, really? I think so. It's SLT. Or maybe in the the UK, it's SLT. I think it's the UK. I had roommates who are speech pathologists now. Okay. But I, to be fair, I had not ever heard of that until they went to get their master's. Mm. So maybe it's a master's degree, but it's not. Yeah, you can't practice without a men's master's in the U.S. Either. Yeah, no, you can't, which is a bit, a bit crazy. Um, okay, so I didn't, I didn't realize that it was a permanent, like a temporary. Well, it was originally supposed to be temporary. Is yeah. that because your parents met in Australia, or? I think they were just why? open to to traveling and to moving, mm. um, and then they got work there. Yeah, and okay. they settled in. Yeah. yeah, wow. But I was saying, as I was talking to my parents about this yesterday, but I think it, I'm really blessed to have been, I think, raised in an Asian culture, but with a Caucasian parent. Mm. Because then I feel I've gotten the best of both worlds. Mm. Um, because mum put a lot of effort in into making sure that we knew about our Australian roots, you know, things like celebrating oh, Christmas, celebrating Easter, um, having fairy bread when we were mm. sick, <laughs> all those little things. Um, but then also, like, we were in a culture and did celebrate my Chinese heritage as well. So, you know, doing Chinese New Year um, and, and things like that. Yeah. Wow. I love that. <laughs> oh, I also really love your parents. So I was like, really sweet. <laughs> hearing about them um so when you originally moved to the u.s you were in grade well year grade four yeah grade four sure um what was it like being told that you were going to move to the u.s um i remember being pretty nervous i think uh and this is something you know that i work with some i work with school-age children so Mm -hmm. and some of them do move and so this is something that um i feel like i can relate with them and and talk Mm -hmm. with them about but i think because it was the end of primary two when we moved over um i was feeling quite nervous but also excited Mm. sad that I was going to miss my um, friends but I think at that age it's quite easy to to make friends and to to yeah just develop friendships um and you know one of my friends in Singapore she and I always joke that um I sent her a million postcards when I was in America and she never replied (laughs) (laughs) but then when we got back to Singapore you know we're all friends and it's fine and dead (laughs) but that's like a long-running joke between us wait that's so funny (laughs) Um, did your brother have a similar experience? Yeah, well, he or? was younger because he would have been in kindergarten and then grade one when we moved yeah. over. Um, and so I think even more so for him that mm. it was like, you know, I guess in kindergarten you don't really have any mm. solid built friends. Yeah, you're quite um, multiple, I feel like, at that yeah, age. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
and I was really thankful as well. Like when I went into grade four and five, I was in um, a Chinese language immersion program school. Oh, wow. Okay. So in year one and two, you spend 80% of the day learning in Chinese. And I think by the time you get to grade four and five, it's about 50% of the day. So we did science and history and um, I think math in Chinese. Okay. uh, Which now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, wow, (laughs) that's pretty crazy. Um, But it was really good for learning the language. But it meant that, you know, the classes... You know, mm. for both my years, the friends that I made were around the same kind of because it was mm. all the people who were doing mm-hmm. that course. Mm. Um, so I guess it was also easier to make friends mm-hmm. in a way. And I mm. made some really, really good friends who I still talk to today. That's so sweet. Um, when you moved to the States, was it supposed to be permanent or was it attempted? Did, did your parents know that it was going to be temporary? Um, I think it wasn't meant to be permanent forever but it was going to be for at least a few years okay and then my dad got offered another job um, back, back in, in Singapore yeah and they decided it was time to move mm-hmm. back I guess you were at like quite a young age and we, we you know you've touched briefly on making friends was quite easy but did you guys find that it was easy for you to find community within the U.S. or hmm it's a good question I think I'm also really lucky that Cupertino is quite a diverse Mm. uh, town, city, um, culturally. And so even like we lived in a little cul-de-sac and even on our street, we had, you know, people of Japanese background, people of Chinese background, Mm. Korean, mixed race families, Mm. um, American or like Caucasian Americans and just and all of them pretty much had kids around our age mm. plus minus five years yeah. and so you know and because we lived in a cul-de-sac every day after school we'd just be running around the neighbor's house yeah. And, and yeah just interacting with each other so I think it was really great that we lived in such a multicultural mm. community as well and so that made it quite easy and yeah. then of course you know things like Girl Scouts yeah <laughs> um, our church community stuff like that that yeah. was also really good mm. and then when you moved back to Singapore did you move back to the same neighborhood or yeah yeah so we went we back into our same house we just rented it out when we oh. went away oh easy yeah <laughs> um, brilliant I my parents held the place in my school so I was okay. able to go back into school okay. um I think that was probably more challenging um than moving to the U.S. okay because pretty much all my classmates had you know continued to, yeah. to stay and, and grow themselves mm. whereas I had obviously been off and then come back and um there was another girl who was in who had actually just moved back from the U.S. as well a mm. different part of the U.S. okay um but who started the same year as me and I came back and started primary five which um in Singapore at the end of primary six is when we have our big exams okay um and so I went from loving life and doing uh grade school and not really caring about yeah <laughs> um education just learning yeah. and coming back and having to be like okay we need to prepare for these exams and study hard and so that was quite a big shift for me yeah um and also just kind of developing those friendships of people that I still you know knew from primary one and two Mm. but obviously they had formed their own friendships and changed social skills and social groups and stuff yeah while I was away Mm. did a lot of did you find because you then graduated in Singapore from high school yeah would you say high school or do you say primary school still 
Uh, when you say that you graduated, graduated from... Oh, yeah, because it's primary school and then you go into high and then, school. And then high yeah. school, yeah, yeah. Um, did you find that a lot of people then moved abroad or were you quite alone in that or... Um, when we finished school, like in year 12 or, you know, we call it um, J2. Yeah. Uh, I think, gee, in my friend group, probably about half of us moved overseas. Oh, really? Wow. And was that... Uh, all over the world? Yeah. Okay. Uh, mostly the UK. Okay. Um, you know, the classic Oxford, Cambridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a few, you know, others um, in the UK. And then I was the only one coming to Australia, but I had a few other friends from mm. um, school that moved to Australia. Mm-hmm. Now, half of your family, because your mom's family is in Australia, mm. um, had you grown up going on holiday to Australia? Like, were you very, very comfortable with it? Or yeah. was it something completely new? I partly picked Perth because I did know people here and I had mm-hmm. family here. And so it was a semi-comfort zone for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I was familiar from trips. But living in a place is very different from traveling there, as yes. I'm sure you yeah. guys have talked about. <laughs> um, and so that was definitely a bit of a change. I think living on campus really helped, mm. um, which is not really the norm. It's not like in the US where it's kind of expected that you move out of your yeah home to yep. go to college yeah here it's not really no the vibe um even if yeah you wouldn't even move on campus unless mm-hmm. you really had to yeah um but so I really enjoyed moving on to campus and meeting friends there and mm. I hung out a lot with like the country kids who would come up and yeah. um yeah just I think that and also exchange kids and meeting mm. people from all around the world which was really cool mm. yeah that's something that I've I mean you and I have talked about it before where I just don't understand the Australian school system <laughs> it's just like so different mm. than it is in the states so um hopefully if we have kids we'll have them at the same time <laughs> yes please <laughs> so we can figure out what the heck is happening with the Australian school system because I don't understand because you're right like it's expected of you in the states to leave your house and move on campus most universities require you to move onto campus for at least the first year which is just not how it's set here Mm. in Australia. Most people stay at home while attending uni, Mm. um, which honestly would be a huge money saver. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been very helpful. But yeah, it's just not how it is. But I did want to ask, what were some of the pros and cons of you being raised with parents of two different cultures? Yeah. Um, I guess some of the pros, I think the the really... universal ones is just that it really opens your mind to different mannerisms and different cultures Mm. um you know when I was living in the U.S. as you know living as a third culture kid um which is a whole group of people and there's some really amazing research that's coming out in that area actually Mm. um but I think it was quite fascinating to especially as a kid when you're not kind of consciously aware, but as an adult looking back and mm-hmm. reflecting that those experiences and the things that you learnt and took away from them. Um, and especially, you know, that when you're eight and nine, those are actually really core cool times for developing accents. Like, I mm. still get introduced to people, well, and they're like, are you American? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I just lived in America when <laughs> a time where my accent was forming. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, things like, things, small things like that, I think you also develop a really um, strong awareness of empathy mm. for different cultures and understanding of different cultures and maybe being more conscious and aware. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we grow, you know, with globalization, obviously, we're, 
we're just blending and melding into more and more mm. now. And I think with this, I mean, the added extra layer of the fact that I am a multicultural mm-hmm. person, um, I think the experiences and, and really, I mean, these are only my experiences, but uh, every person, I think there are definitely shared experiences mm. and we see the rise. I think even um, there was a Facebook page that blew up a few years ago called Subtle Asian Traits, mm. uh, which you know, it was just a bunch of Melbourne kids that were like, hey, these are all things that we experience. Yeah. And everyone in the world was like, oh my gosh, that's our family as well. And it yeah. was the idea of living as someone in, the, in a culture different to your own, to your own and what you keep from your culture and what you grow. Mm. Um, so I think that's definitely the pros of just being able to adapt to change and things. Mm. Um, some of the cons maybe that you'd never quite feel like you belong anywhere. Mm. Um, I know when I was you know, living in, you know, even in Singapore and, and we can go in this huge big discussion, but, you know, they were kind of like, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're white. And mm. although I was accepted and um, I did have mixed race friends, there's definitely like that underlying, like, oh, you don't quite get it because mm. you're not fully one of us. And then when I moved to Australia, it was the other thing. It was like, oh, you're Asian. You just don't quite get it because you're not fully mm. one of us. And so um, I think that that's, just something that people just mentally ingrain. And although I feel like because of my experience, I've been able to adapt quite quickly and pick up on the different skills and mannerisms, even things like, uh, you know, getting scolded for slurping my tea, which is totally fine in Singapore, but yeah. an absolute no-no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh um, it's just like stuff like that. This goes, oh, okay, cool. I'll learn that. It's a hidden rule that mm-hmm. we have to use. Um, but then, you know, you're constantly trying to like, come up and learn and you know explore new things so I think that that's yeah it could be really confusing for some people or that yeah. they feel that they don't quite fit in yeah anywhere. do you feel like you were able to adjust to Australian culture faster than American culture I mean you just bounced back you know I think it's also hard because I like my experience in America, and we were talking about this um, last night with my family. Actually, is was quite unique in that because I went to a Chinese language immersion yeah. program school. Yeah. A lot of my peers were from Asian American, Taiwanese American yep. backgrounds. Yep. And so we had commonalities in the sense that mm. you know most of us had a parent, if mm-hmm. not two, who were. Um, Chinese or who, you know, yeah. could speak the language. And so they would bring in some of those culture quirks um, from yeah. that as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, did you have any other cons of growing up um, with two different cultures? Not really. Yeah. I have enjoyed it, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. I yeah. think it's, in a way, you get the best of both worlds. Definitely. And, you know, I think it definitely think it takes some... Uh, navigating and I know not everyone's experience has been positive Mm. Um, I've had a lot of discussions with people um, around it who are you know mixed culture kids and um, I think there's definitely some things that have been really challenging about it Mm. but I as I said before like I feel like I've been really blessed the way that my parents have tried to to balance that and even Mm. the fact that I lived in a Asian culture was brought up by a Caucasian parent I yep. think that was a really great blend as well. Mm. And I think my experience would be very different if I grew up in Australia instead. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. My brain automatically is like, oh, I hope I can raise my kids the way your parents raised 
<laughs> raised you and your brother. I just think, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I am an outsider perspective as well. You know what I mean? Just looking in and having chatted pretty much like in depth with your mom too. Like, I just think that they handled things with a lot of grace. And I think mm-hmm. you and your brother, um, yeah, I just incredible. I just think that both of you guys are just so amazing. And <laughs> I just am, I'm like, ah, I just want my kids to be half what you guys are. <laughs> but I think it's really going to be interesting because if you interviewed my brother, I think yeah. his perspective would be really different from mine. We mm. went to different schools. We had different friend groups. And so I think his, and he's, I believe, has always identified more Australian Okay. Whereas I have identified as more Singaporean. So mm. I think it would be really interesting to see, even though we're raised in the same household, yeah. our perspectives being really different. Yeah, totally. And it, your experience is being different. Mm. Yeah, that that is interesting. Um, Which just shows you it's so individualized. <laughs> yeah, it is. And everybody's experiences, like my experience in the U.S. would be drastically different than your experience oh, versus absolutely. Hannah's experience. We're all like, everyone's experiences are completely different even if you're raised geographically mm. in the same place or, you know, e- you know, me and my siblings are completely different and both of us were raised by the exact same parents. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, everyone's experience is different too. I've got a question for you. So when I... So I left, I was seeing grade four, end of grade five. Yeah. Actually, no, midway through grade five and then okay. I had to restart primary so then five. Like, so then, like, December? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, in preparation for the school year. Yeah. And so... Um, and then I, you know, had friends on Facebook when Facebook started and we were allowed to have Facebook as kids and, you know, um, kind of kept... what age did your parents let you have Facebook? Oh, I can't remember. Probably like 14 or something. Yeah, they let me, when we entered high school, we were allowed to get one because there were a lot of like Facebook groups that had to do with our high school. So I remember the day I graduated eighth grade, I was like... you to write a contract? Did you have to sign a contract? No, we I... We had to sign a contract. <gasps> I did not have to sign one. Parents, I hope you're not taking notes. Like, don't make me sign. <laughs> Um, no, I literally remember the day after I graduated eighth grade. I was, like, on the computer. I made myself a profile, and, like, I was ready. I remember sneaking – well, not sneaking. We were allowed to go to the computer science lab during recess, mm-hmm. but we'd go there at recess time, and we'd log on. <laughs> Check out messages. I love that. Um, and then go into Club Penguin after that. Club Penguin, yes! <laughs> oh, my gosh, what a throwback. <laughs> That's so good. Um, yes, anyway, that was one of the things. Um, but, yeah, so when you – I'd, I had was in communication with these friends on and off. And then when I went, I um, did an exchange in Canada at the mm. end of my uni degree. And as part of that, at the end, I traveled and I went to s- visit some of those friends. Mm-hmm. And I actually visited my old house and oh, caught up with some of the people um, that I'd met and met some of my old neighbors who I didn't plan on meeting. And they yeah. were like, Marcella, is that you? And I was <laughs> like, oh my gosh, you remember? <laughs> um, so that was really cool. But I found it really interesting. We had a, a, a like a class reunion, mm. um, a small one, you know, just basically people who were in the Bay Area to come and say hi. And it was really fascinating me because I had this really clear but almost like time-capsuled vision of these friends mm. as they were in grade four and grade five. Mm. And then I met them again as an adult and to see you know, mm. that they had changed, but also not changed, but had become more of themselves. Yeah. It was really just fascinating to see. And obviously they had, more, most of them had gone to middle school together and high school together. Yeah. And so they kind of knew each other through the years. 
And so, but I still had these really concrete core memories of them Hmm. as a grade five kid. And they'd be like, oh, I totally forgot that was a thing. Or I forgot that that was what you were like. And I was like, this is literally the only memories I have of you. Yeah. And that was really fascinating. When you, because it's been a couple of years since you've been in the US. Yeah. Did you find that people had changed lots or? Mm, That's a really good question. I think, yeah, so I just, I just got back two days ago. Um, and I hadn't seen my younger sister since she was a junior in high school. Hmm. Like she was, she was 17, maybe 16 when I, she might've been 16 when I last saw her. There's a lot of growth that happens in upper years of high school. Yes. (laughs) And she now shows she had braces the last time I saw her. I remember her being like, oh, my cutie little sister, you know? And I saw her and I was like oh my gosh, you're a young woman, you know? Like, I'm trying to, I don't even think she had her license when I last saw her. And during this trip, she drove me around multiple times. And I think that's where it got me. Not much, not as much friends, but I think like my, my fi- like my family and my siblings, I think I viewed them, yeah, that like a time capsule, that's a, that's mm-hmm. a good way to put it. I think I like, in my head, in my head, they were a certain way. And then when I saw them again, it was like, they were all adults, you know what I mean? Especially my younger siblings, not as much my older siblings. Although it was really strange. So during that trip, and I'm going to talk about this in another episode with Hannah next week. Um, but I met two of my in-laws for the first time. And so like seeing my siblings in love was really strange. <laughs> like really, really strange because yeah, I in my little time capsule, they were single and... Like, my sister was taking the professional world by storm, you know, and then now I see her in love, and it was, like, really beautiful, but it took, it just was a bit jarring, I think, at first, mm. um, because I had this vision of what they were. So, that's a good question. Thanks for asking. Mm. That's hard. I mean, you also, like, you jumped from, you know, elementary school to yeah, adulthood. Yeah, it was a 10-year ten, ten gap. But even, I think, like, a lot of my friends in Singapore, I see them once a year. Mm. once every two years and so because yeah. you haven't you haven't been back since no not yet and when was the last time you were back uh christmas 2019, 2019. yeah yep. mm-hmm. um and so again i think you know in that time i've gotten married and some yes. of my friends haven't even met my husband yeah and so yeah. i think that's bath it's weird to me to think about same as with you and your siblings mm. because so much as it has happened but you just they haven't been around to kind of be part of that. Mm. Wow. Now I'm now I'm, <laughs> now I'm you're getting nostalgic. I'm getting nostalgic. Um, going back to um, a bit about how you were raised. Um, can you think of examples of ways that your parents incorporated their own culture into your life specifically? Yeah, I think probably the biggest one was the language. Mm-hmm. So. I, the linguistics person that I am, um, really believe that languages are your lens on how you see the world. Mm. And when you speak another language, you definitely view the world in a different way. Mm. Um, I guess a simplest example of that, or there's one for Chinese as well, or Mandarin, which is what I speak. Mm. Um, but even, you know, they did a study uh, with German French and bilingual English speakers Mm. Um, and the French they were asked to describe different furnitures um, or different parts of furniture 
in English. And the German speakers described an armchair as being a firm and stable and stocky, whereas mm. the French would describe them as elegant and, um, you know, beautiful and dainty. Yeah. And that's partly, they, I mean, they did this with a lot of examples, but they kind of determined that it was because in German um, chairs are masculine, whereas in yeah. French chairs are feminine. Hmm. And so, I mean, that's a really simple example. Yeah. But I think it can be extrapolated mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. to kind of show that language really does change the way that you see things. Yeah. So I think my parents really encouraging me to learn the language, even when we're in America where, you know, we didn't have to, mm-hmm. um, was a really core thing for me yeah. um, to be able to understand. And obviously it was required. My grandmother was a Mandarin teacher, so she was going <laughs> to make us learn Mandarin. Um, and Whether you wanted to or not. Yeah. <laughs> and I communicated with her in Mandarin. But I think that that was, um, yeah, really important for my mm. family. And then just guess the mannerisms. So even the things like, you know, we ate with chopsticks or mm-hmm. we had meals where we, well, we ate chopsticks for most things. Yeah. Um, keeping our shoes off inside the house or mm-hmm. taking our shoes off at the door. Um, that was a big one as well. Um, even things like setting the table in a Western style, okay. um, even though we're putting on chopsticks and spoons, you know, things yeah. like that, or serving up um, big dishes rather than individual plates, which was more of a Chinese style. And just like things like that we incorporated into our house. Mm-hmm. Um, another big one was, you know, a, maybe the way that we address people. So in Singapore, it's very common to address anyone who is older than you, whether or not you're related to them as auntie or uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did that all throughout growing up. And then even when we moved here, you know, my cousins would refer to my parents by first name. Oh, interesting. Um, unless, I mean, when we were super young, they did call them auntie and uncle, but you know, very quickly they graduated to first name basis. And mm-hmm. that's just because the culture here is that's what you do. Yeah. Um, and your friend's parents, you just call them by their first name. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, I still call some of my friend's parents auntie and uncle, even yeah. in Australia, because I just can't get yeah. over that, um, I guess, that culture quirk. Yeah. But I think it was just a very... Um, yeah different way of seeing things and I was trying to think what I did in the US and I think like I think it was just to some families we we refer to them as auntie and uncle and mm-hmm. some families because what's the do you normally call it Mrs. and Mr. We say Mr. and Mrs. Yeah. yeah and even to the I was actually I just talked about this to my mom the other day um, because I was I saw some of my old high school teachers and I would never call them by their first name but I was just looking at some of them being like, I have colleagues who are your age who I refer to as the first name. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So looking at them, I was like, I don't see you at, I mean, I do still see them as an authority figure, but at the same time, I don't, you know yeah. what I mean? And I was talking to my mom and I was like, at what point do you stop calling people Mr. and Mrs.? You I, know? Does, I think it really depends on what they want. The what they well, want. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a teacher who has asked me to call her by her first name, which is really, I, when she asked me for that, I was like, oh my gosh, I was so honored. Um, I don't actually think I've ever used her first name though. I think I still call her <laughs> Mrs. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really, really interesting. Mm. How strange. Well, it's actually a lot easier because even, even the people, if you're, you know, taking the lift or you, you're walking in a, super, a shopping center and mm-hmm. someone's cleaning, you know, you would refer to that person as auntie. You'd be like, oh, thank you for cleaning auntie. Yeah. It's like a huge sign of respect. Yeah. Yeah. And do you find that, not saying that Australians or Western culture don't have respect, but do you feel like it's been ingrained in you to have more respect for your elders? 
I think that's a hard question to answer because okay. I don't think that that's the only way of showing respect. Sure, 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 sure. Um, yeah, so I feel mm. that again like obviously language changes the way yeah but to other you know to some western people if you call them auntie that's really offensive yeah sure so i think it really depends on what they want what they what ask they, you to what they to refer. identify yeah yeah definitely i didn't even think of that hmm um do you have any other examples of specific things that your parents did to incorporate their own cultures into your life no nah, not really mm-hmm Cool. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are, but I yeah. can't think of any other stuff. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, is there anything that you intend on passing on to others or yeah, further generations um, in regards to your culture and your experience with being raised with two cultures? Hmm. I think it's definitely important to expose them to both sides, mm. wherever you're living and whatever you're doing. Um, I've got a friend who is the opposite to me. Her mother is Singaporean Chinese and her father is Caucasian Australian. Yeah. And we compare our lives. And although we're very different people, it's really interesting because basically it's a complete swap. And also, sorry, she grew up in Australia. Okay. And so oh, it's completely okay. Complete opposite. opposite yeah. um, and granted, she grew up in country Australia, but um, it's really fun. You know, we've got language commonalities and we'll joke around and we've got definitely things that we share in common Mm. but at the same time like both of our experiences are very interesting and unique Mm. Um, and so I think language is a big one that I would definitely Mm -hmm. pass down Um, and that includes you know even like the local language you know the Mm. slang Mm -hmm. um, things like that and also you know when one thing um, my mom's always been really good at wherever we've lived and wherever we've gone is that she's just been almost like being an expat in your own country and really mm. taking the effort to take us exploring and to get us out and about and mm. traveling and you know going to look at all these different things yeah um and I think like yeah being a tourist in your own country mm-hmm. is so important because you know you've got all these opportunities and you don't want to waste them mm. mm-hmm. so I think I would love to translate I love exploring to my children. Mm, that's beautiful. <laughs> Last question for you. Um, do you have any advice for people that are intending on moving abroad or um, want to move abroad or are about to move abroad? Do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's anything negative about expanding mm. your worldview and exploring new cultures and Mm -hmm. if you're going to do so do so with an open mind yes like don't go in there being like well this is mm, this is what the way you guys do it and we do it so much better because blah 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 Mm. like figure out why it is the way that they do it yeah um and you know at the same time don't lose your own like find some people of your if you're moving there like permanently or at Mm -hmm. least for a long period of time you know immerse yourself in the local culture make local friends but you know have connections to an expat group and Mm. and people from your own community you know so when you're craving that you know where the best place to go is and the number of like Singaporean aunties that when I first moved would you know make me food or you know asked me to come over and hang out like that was really Mm. helpful for me Mm. Um, and I think since moving to Australia I've actually connected more with my identity as a Singaporean oh interesting um I think I didn't identify myself I kind of identified myself as equally 
mixed. I was okay. like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm Australian. And in Singapore, I was very much like, yeah. this is part of who I am. Yeah. And then when I moved to Australia, I was like, oh, no, I'm <laughs> Singaporean. Like, I am yeah. being, I feel that this is my identity. And I went through yeah. a, a core period of time where I was uh, tossing this up and struggling with it when I was 21. Yeah. Um, because I had to pick citizenship and yeah. things like that. And yeah. so that was really, I think, pivotal for me because I Mm-hmm. I feel like if I didn't have to, I probably wouldn't have kind of gone yeah. through that mental thinking yep. zone. Yeah. Um, and I think since then I've also come and I've, as I spend more time in Australia, I take on other mannerisms and things. But yep. um, now I feel like I'm a happy blend again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's cool to know that I can now identify which parts of me are mm. from which parts of my cultures. Yeah, that's beautiful. And you don't have to, like, you don't have to be a specific amount of percentage of either. You can literally just pick and choose what yeah. you want to identify within your. Within I don't think it is a percentage. I think I'm really a marble cake. <laughs> yes! Ooh, a marble cake! <laughs> I'm not a layer cake, I'm a marble cake. I love that! <laughs> That's amazing. Well, with that being said, Marcy, <laughs> thanks for joining me today. Um, yeah, I. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. But with that being said, I think this week will be all right. Cool. Thanks for being right. Thank you. Bye.